Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. If you would like some more information about us, please visit adventurechurch.co.za. We hope that you will enjoy today's message. So, um, my name is Henny Kronier. I uh, am married to Zelda, my wife. I was hoping she would be here, but she's looking after children. Uh, in terms of getting them to school, etc. Uh, we've been married for 41 years to have two children. So Shanae and Luan are the two children. They uh, are both married and we have two grandchildren and one on its, on its way. So that's uh, Kayla, uh, our eldest grandchild, said uh, we're not going to be the favorites anymore because uh, there's another one coming. So I uh, said, so no, you'll always be the favorite. We are on eldership at Cornerstone Church with Marcus and Adele and on the translocal team of NCMI. And um, I am telling you this so that you get a little bit of, a, of an understanding of who we are uh, before I start speaking. Um, so I've experienced success in, my, in business from a very young age in my career. I was always the youngest in the field when, when, uh, whenever we were... Um, whenever I was um, uh, in promoted or something happened in my in my life, I always experienced that I was the first to do this and the first to do that. And later on in the talk, you'll understand why I'm telling you this. In 2001, my my corporate uh, career came to a, an abrupt end as sales director of a of the company that I was on. At the time, I was leading a sales team of 87 people, and uh, we'd achieved 100% sales growth, so we doubled the sales in the three and a half years that I was there, with a 27% profit after tax. That's a pretty impressive in anybody's language. You probably have most people saying, well, you were making too much money, you were stealing from, the, from your customers, and it was close to that, I would imagine. Um, I was 31, 39 years old when I started the company Nexus Engineering, we, um, and we call it Nexus Ceiling Solutions, in 2002. So you, I, um, the maths-minded people starts, start working out, I am 61 years old, so just I'll sh- save you that trouble. Um, we are around 35 people in the company. We operate in four continents, being Africa, North and South America and Australia. So in this is the whole pedigree of who I, who I am. Man, I hate doing that, but um, it's apparently important for people to know who you are. I'm unashamedly going to bring that which I say this morning in line with the Bible. I'm going to use a few stories from the Old Testament, or in particular a story from the Old Testament to link up with what I, with with my story, and then I'm going to use New Testament scriptures to guide us in what I believe God has got for us as business people. Now first, let me start in Acts chapter 2, where the day of Pentecost came, and in this there were promises regarding the Holy Spirit working in our, in our lives as people, His outpouring. And it's safe to say that um, it's not as evident in the churches as we would have thought. 
what God had intended hasn't, hasn't come across. In our churches, we do not experience that. So, so much less in business. And since this is a business talk, um, you might wonder, well, why would that happen? Well, uh, by now, we should be seeing heaven touching earth. That should be what we experience. Um, if back 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts, the outpouring happened back then. We should be fi seeing finance released in a massive way, pouring out in, into the church. Um, uh, if God expects me to operate from the realm of heaven, then it's safe to say that my business should follow, follow suit. Because the same spirit that leads the church should lead in our businesses as well. And we encourage our people in the churches to follow Jesus. We point them to Jesus. We, we say you should become Jesus-focused. Everything is all about Jesus. Jesus is the one. And I refer to the four M's because as an apostolic prophetic church, we will teach our people on the four M's. Let me tell you about them because that's going to come up again later. First is, the first M is message. Um, we have a message, we have a mandate, we have a ministry, and we have a mission. These are the four M's. First of all, to be consumed by the king and his kingdom. Every kingdom needs a king. Jesus is his name. And then the mandate, to be his witnesses in all the earth. That's what he said we should do. The ministry is to live and move in his presence with power and authority. So it's his presence in power and authority. And then lastly, the mission is to disciple, uh, disciple others, go into all the world, he said. As Christian entrepreneurs and employees, not everybody here is necessarily an entrepreneur with their own business. Um, many people are, uh, are employees, but the same principle applies. If you're a Christian, the same principle applies because we should build within the same thing within the same realm, in the same, in the same sphere of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Because this is a bit of a prophetic utterance over us. Because God wants to pull down strongholds in our businesses. He wants to release dreams, release creativity, release wealth. Uh, he wants to give you a declaration to make in the world of business and give you a business that is fueled by Holy Spirit Himself. So, I want to take you to uh, the Old Testament, to Second Chronicles 14 through to 16, those, those three chapters, 14, 15, and 16, and tell you about a man named King Asa. I'm going to run through this pretty quickly, but you're going to get the message of what happened in King Asa's life, because he grew up under the reign of his father and then his, uh, his grandfather rather and then his father took over from his from his grandfather only for a short while before he died and this man had a very poor ex, um, example to follow dad and opa they were not the greatest in doing doing the job but listen to how he starts off his but his uh, reign as as the king 2nd uh, Chronicles 14 verse 2 and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God he took away the foreign altars and high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord and the kingdom had rest under him 
Zera, the Ethiopian, came and against the, uh, came out against them with an army of one million men and three hundred chariots, and came as far as Maresha. Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, your, our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let no man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. Amazing how when he cried out, the, the, the uh, verse 12 says, So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians. For me, just such a wonderful, wonderful story about Asa. We're going to carry on with him just now. Asa knew where his help comes from. Here, in the new covenant, I believe that nothing will change if we do not live by the Spirit, um, according to Acts chapter 2. And now I jump into some of the, the New Testament chap um, scriptures of Romans 8, verse 5 to 8 says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to, to God, but it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We'll read elsewhere where he said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we've got faith as one, and yeah, flesh is another. So let me explain a little bit around uh, uh, what I mean about the uh, flesh. Man is made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is uh, the thing that when we are born again, when you accept Jesus, it comes into right standing with, with Holy Spirit. Your flesh, or your soul rather, is what we read about uh, referring, uh, referred to as flesh, is the thing that's your mind, that's your, your um, emotions, that's your feelings, that's your personality, all of these things. And the Bible says that that has to be, has to, you have to renew your mind. So that's the flesh or the soul that has to come into submission as your spirit has come into submission. Your spirit is 100% correct with Holy Spirit once you are born again. Now you have this continual thing spoken of, even referred to as sanctification, which is the present tense of, um, of salvation. I was saved, that's justification. I am, I am being saved, which is present tense, sanctification. I will be saved is glorification. So this part of life where we are has to come into submission, come in, in line. And that's why there's the, the renewing of the, of the mind that takes place. Back to the, our story with Asa. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. Whoever would not, listen to this, whoever would not seek the Lord should be put to death. I know this is Old Testament talk, so uh, don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just telling you what, how it was back then. This king, from having a father 
and a grandfather who, who taught a total different way, had, uh, had Ashrafim and whatever all these other chutas were that they had. Now listen to this next level uh, uh, situation. In verse 16 of chapter 15, it says, Even Marka, his mother, this is Asa's mother, King Asa removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burnt it at the brook Kidron. That's next level. Uh, to, to take what mom did, and, because mom's not here in, in my family, but to do that, that's next level. Then Asa goes from being hero to zero. And this is where the sad part comes. Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadan, king of Syria. So we've got Baasha, king of Israel, in the north, coming against Asa. He takes silver and gold and sends them to Ben-Hadan, king of Syria, in a different spot. Behold, I'm sending to you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. Very early in my career, I experienced all the success I spoke about. However, perceived success has uh, got the better of me. And if you allow your success, that which you think is success, to get the better of you, it will. It's a thing that will just reel you in because of, as in the case of Asa, he became successful and he, he changed what he was looking at. What was God's favor in my life became my ability, my brilliance, uh, my gift to mankind. I was the main manna what matter. And like Asa, I took my eyes off the king. I took my eyes off him who had given all. My focus became silver and gold, as was Asa's. My opinion of success, my desire for fame, became the highest thing in my, in my, uh, my mind. Back to Chronicles um, 16, verse 7. Hanani the seer came to Asa. He says, because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians a huge army? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them, to you, he gave them in your hand. You've done foolishly in this. For from now on, you will have wars. Or in other words, from now on, Rest will be removed. Remember there was rest before. Rest will be removed because of uh, what, the foolishness that you've done. Zelda and I came from a very desperate situation after all of my initial success. And we had, I had lost sight of what God was doing in our lives. And I came to a place where I was... I'd made a new decision. I, I call it being born again again um, because it was a realization that what I was doing was not on. And we decided that whatever we were going to put our hands to was going to be to God's glory and it was going to be 
through the leading of Holy, of Holy Spirit. Church and business are not run the same way. I understand that. It's not the same thing. But it does have the same heart. It does have the same spirit. And it is that that I'm, a, um, uh, that I'm telling you about. Because godly success is not nearly the same as what the world says. Christian businessmen, Christian business people, people in, in business as Christians, have a few questions that they have to ask. And this is a very important question for me. When I ask this of, my, of myself is, why am I in business? Why am I working? Because money can only motivate you so far. After that, it becomes an idol. It will motivate you to get going. But eventually, money becomes an idol. In my understanding is that money is the thing that follows uh, the true reason for being in business. If you do what you're really supposed to be doing in business, money will always follow. Find the correct answer to this question. Why am I in business? If you can find the answer, make that a big thing. Find the answer, why am I in business? And don't, don't say it's to make money. That's not big enough. That's not a decent enough reason. Then you will find the true reason uh, for being in business. This is very important. Uh, the second question is, what will drive my passion in business and in life? So many people chase success. And so several years ago, I came up with a, I coined a phrase. You can use it, but just write there, Henny Kroyer. You know, um, success is the thing we pass on our way to significance. I thought that was brilliant. Huh? Success is the thing we pass on our way to significance. Until John Maxwell came up with the following one. I wish I'd thought of this. Success is when I add value to myself. Significance is when I add value to others. Ooh, now we're sitting up. <laughs> when Uncle John, you did a good job there, mate. <laughs> what, about, what about John in the Bible? John 3.27, John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Who? Even one thing, unless it is your success, not one thing. Third question, is my life governed by God's message, mandate, ministry, and mission for mankind or not? In 2 Corinthians, we read chapter 5 verse 9 says, we make it our goal to please Him. To make something a goal speaks of intent. I love that English word, intent. We make it our goal to please Him. It's not done by accident. It is, I set my mind on this and I'm going to please my God. The fourth question is, do I live out the great commandment and do I live out the great commission? Entrepreneurs need to live by the Spirit. The Spirit has to be what we as Christian business people are being led by all the time. My encouragement to us is be ready to, be, to examine yourself, to examine your business. Be eager to change because what Holy Spirit points out um, is necessary for us to be ready to, 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 to make that change. Be willing to embrace the new and the different. The Bible speaks about new wine into new wineskins. Be ready for that. 
if what you are hearing, if this appeals, is, um, uh, resonates in your, in, your, in, your, in your heart right now, be ready to make the changes, to, to bring about that which, which is important. What happens when we do business from the spiritual realm? Listen to some of these. You will gain a greater understanding of God's uh, intentions for your business. Because you are, you are sensitive to Holy Spirit, you, the, your understanding of God's intentions in your business will become clearer. There will be a greater awareness of Holy Spirit's presence. Because we always want to work from presence, power and authority. And presence is important. A greater awareness, as I said, you will hear better to access creativity, to access productivity, generosity and peace. Things that consume you will fade and ultimately will disappear. It will just dissolve. It's gone. Strongholds will lose power over you as you realize the riches of heaven. You will find that, God, uh, that godly intent, godly purpose and godly calling will be established in your life and in your, in your business. Remember, the question was, what happens when we do business from the spiritual realm? These things are what we get to experience because of our, of our involvement with Holy, with Holy Spirit. I want to tell you a little bit about our business. I want to tell you how our business, have, we have implemented the four, uh, the four M's that I spoke about. I'll repeat them again, uh, just so that you're not lost and say, oh, what was they again? Um, we have a prayer meeting that was introduced uh, many years ago by our staff. It wasn't something that Zelda and I introduced. Our staff introduced us uh, that we have a prayer meeting every single morning. It starts off from 8 o'clock to 8.30. Not everybody can do it. We, because we started it when we were very young as a business, um, we could do that. We pray for customers, suppliers, opposition, leaders, etc. I call that the message of uh, uh, in the business. It's about the king. It's all about the king. We have to make the main one the main thing. Jesus is his name. Then we have what we call the David Street Revival. Um, this is our ministry. The second M is the ministry. In the David Street Revival, it's David Street is the street in which our company is. Uh, we put out tables with... Um, this is something that, that was implemented when Nick was, was leading the team. We'd put out tea and coffee, in the, tea or coffee and, and hot chocolate in winter. In summer, it, it'll, it'll more be cool drinks and things. And, and so people in the street walk past and we offer them this. We offer them a biscuit. We offer them prayer. And the things that we've experienced in all of this, uh, healings, there's relationships that, are, that were restored. Uh, Nick told us, uh, had an experience once of a young man was on his way to go and greet his uncle. And after that, he was going to take his own life. He had the opportunity to, to be prayed for by Nick. And this dude... His relationship with, obviously, with, him, with his father was restored with his heavenly father. And he didn't, he didn't take that step of taking, his, of taking his own life. So for me, power, authority, presence. That's the ministry part that, uh, that we uh, uh, employ. 
The mandate is to be witnesses. Remember, that's what we say, to be witnesses in, in all of the, of the world. Um, our managers are invited to come with us. We work into, into Kenya, and so we invite our managers to come with us. But all of our staff are given an extra seven days leave for ministry purposes. So they, the, the normal leave, they don't need to take that time to, to go on a trip with us, uh, to go on any, uh, any uh, trip um, to, to, for, the, for the kingdom. Then lastly is the mission. Our budget, or the great, mission being the Great Commission, obviously, the making disciples, the budget of our company reflects the, that which we, we believe. And what we've found one, one morning, we were writing down all of what we're busy with. Just I have a new um, partner in the company, and I wanted him to hear what, what it is and see what it is that we're doing. 53% of our taxable income is used for the kingdom. Um, tithes, apostolic uh, uh, trips, social justice, or it's not a biblical term, it's just justice, justice and injustice. But anyway, social justice, church planting. We, we're working with three different churches at the moment where we are contributing to, to these um, churches on a monthly basis so that their, the plant uh, is something that, uh, that can continue. And this is what we do in, in the business. That's what makes up 53% of, of our taxable earnings that we give into this. It just happened to be 53%. Is it something that I suggest people to, to give more than 50% of their taxable earnings? No, that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm telling you that it didn't start there. But it's something that grew over time because of intent. We intentfully wanted to give and listen to Holy Spirit and say, this is where we give into. Matthew 6.33 is a very important scripture in our lives, in Zelda and my life. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, when we went through this tough time, this scripture was... Uh, read in an in a incorrect way or was quoted in an incorrect way. But this incorrect way was so important for us, it was so meaningful that I share it with you. But seek first the kingdom of God and your rightslessness. Your rightslessness. And all these things will be added to you. In the kingdom, uh, we will live according to a renew, renewed mind. The mind of Christ. That means that we have no rights. If you think you've got rights, if you think you can listen to social media and we stand on our rights, as a believer, you do not have rights. Paul says, I am a bondservant of Christ. In other words, I am a slave. I make myself a slave. I choose to be a slave to Christ. If you think of how kingdom principles works, it says, given, it will be given unto you. Freely you have received, freely give. For God so loved the world that He gave. God is a giving God. He expects us to be giving. He does not expect us to be the ones always wanting to receive, always having our hands out, always saying, but it's my right. You have no rights. Your rightslessness. A kingdom life means dying to self so that I can live for Him. There's a relinquishing of your of your. Me, I am a man, and I should have my right. No, you don't. 
Romans 12 verse 2 has a warning and a hope. Let me read it to you. The warning goes as follows. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And it says, how? How will I be transformed? By the renewal of your mind, but why? So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, which is the hope. What is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. There is a renewing of the mind that needs to take place in the life of Christians. We as believers need to get to a place where this happens because of the fact that I'm sold out to Jesus. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 to 19. For the rich in this present age charm them not, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Charge them, do not be haughty. Do not set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides for us everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take take hold of that which is uh, truly life. I said before, you need to ask the right questions to determine what is truly, what is your true reason for being in business. And this is saying what is truly life. As a believer, there is a life for us to live. There is truly a life for us to live. But it is not relying on our riches, not relying on gold, silver and gold, but it is relying on, on God. Being transformed, having our minds transformed. I have a few questions to ask you. Are you a faithful steward with what God has put in your hand? Are you aligned with God's kingdom plan? Do you live with generosity as a value? Have you built the kingdom of God into your budget? Or I've made a note here, or do you pay tithes and regard that as having done your bit? In every person, is every person in and around your business esteemed? And lastly, do you pursue the Great Commission as an outworking of your business, of your life? God will only do in you what you allow Him to do in you. He cannot do in you what He desires unless you allow Him. And very often, we, we, ex, we, we keep God at a distance. Very often, uh, uh, I've heard preachers uh, say, oh, we've got to get our wallets saved. When a pastor says this, somebody who is reliant on, on uh, tithes and offerings says it, I think the minds of the congregation closes.